Welcome back to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, where you get to hear the stories and insights from entrepreneurs, social change makers, and artists displaying how each and everyone's uniqueness makes this planet worth living on. Today on the show is Esteban Jaramillo from Medellin in Colombia. Esteban is a global shaper and a social impact maker. His background is in design and uh, nowadays he runs a fresh pasta company in one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to, Medellin in Colombia. Very exciting interview. We're touching on a lot of different topics. Towards the end, there is a, a short chapter in Spanish. Very much recommend listening to this interview to kind of dive deep into topics that move the world and how culture is much more than a nation state, the politics, or kind of the people that rule and govern places, but much more the food and who we are as individuals and as tribal beings. So without further ado, here's Esteban Jaramillo from Medellin, Colombia. Um, this is uh, Esteban. I, I've been doing a lot of work in the social environment here in Medellin in 2012. I was uh, looking for a job and after my graduation from the from the university, it, it's hard to find a job as a designer. started doing some freelance work and then by a casualty, I, I landed in a, in a foundation. I had a project and the guy from the foundation has been a, a friend of mine since um, 10 years ago. And, I, and I, uh, I needed his contacts. So so I told him like, okay, this is my idea, how I'm doing this work. And he told me like, okay, why don't you come to work from the, for the foundation and you do all those projects, those cultural projects. What the foundation does, they use fun to teach kids. These kids are kids that live in protection homes and uh, foster homes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I saw, when, when, I began, when I began there, it was like, uh, okay, these are the kids, okay? I, I don't have any problem with children, so I'm just gonna float with it and, yeah. And, but after, after the, the first time we went out, I just fall in love with the with the work wow. they, they they were doing. So, so you, yeah, you went to school for design, and then ended up in a social project because that's just the possibilities and opportunities you saw at the time. Yeah. Nice. So, so how I, is I, that work? How Esteban? How is that work um, that you're doing? Like, how would you reckon um, it's benefiting the world? Like, what are you doing right now? How how does it contribute to society? Tell us a little more about that. After many years uh, of the, at that foundation, I I started working in a in another corporation that uses uh, social entrepreneurship as a way as a channel to to help uh, society problems in in Colombia. Um, I, I've I've been very very linked to this uh, social entrepreneurship uh, ec ecosystem. In the, in the other in the other side, what I do now is uh, I have a, a a fresh pasta company. So. This is because uh, with, for so many years I helped I helped people like uh, reaching their life plans and help them to discover what they like, what they not, what they don't like, what they are good at, and what are they bad at. So now I'm on like I'm, I'm just following my dreams uh, after like helping a lot of people during these five years. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just like following my dream now, and and now with that, with that social uh, environment, like uh, in me, like uh, I'm I'm really attached to help the world to be a better place. 
So uh, I, I build like uh, I'm building now my dream of having this fresh pasta company. I have so many ideas to make it social to help the world. So I wanted in the future to be a close cycle uh, company. I, I don't know. If, I, I don't know if that's the word in English, but yeah. the thing is, I, I, I want to reduce uh, the waste. Mm -hmm. I do so. So like uh, it will be like zero emissions. I, I, I don't want to, to, to give waste to the world. I, I just want to reuse and, and, and do a lot of things with the, with the waste we make. What, what I want to do is, uh, is responsible consumption. That's super interesting to me because I um, regularly think of how every business, no matter in which field it is, or every enterprise or organization, um, is actually contributing to the world that's worth living in. So tell me a little more, like get detailed about so you're making fresh pasta, which I think is super cool. I love pasta. Um, I've lived in Italy before. I, I love pasta. Um, and how, like, how does a world without garbage? How could that possibly look? Okay, so okay, thinking about like the world without garbage. I, I think that yeah, we are going always to have garbage. But the thing is that uh, one day we're going uh, to run out of uh, these resources, and I, I mean. Uh, these fossil fossil sources of what they make plastic with. So yeah, I think I think that the, the best way to reach that is that to reuse. It, it doesn't matter if it's organic or if it's. Uh, I mean, uh, for example, glass is uh, almost like 70 percent uh, reusable for making glass again. Uh, some of the paper is is reusable. So I think if um, people do their if people do like like their part of, of it, like uh, reuse and recycle and do the proper recycle and just give it to the people that is, is, is doing a lot of great things with the recycling. So yeah, I, I think we, we can manage to, to live in a, in a healthier world. And, and one of the things that I, I've been most scared of is right now we are having a, an environment problem here in Medellin with the with the air is really polluted so i think that without garbage we can manage to help like the air we breathe every day like it's like the air is like the, the most important thing we we need to to use and it's is is everywhere and, and we need it we need it clean and we need it with the uh, zero zero emissions of pollution in it i think that, that that's how i imagine the world without garbage i think yeah, I, um, I absolutely agree that the air we breathe is what connects all of us, no matter where we're from. Yeah, I mean, um, recently when we went in, in Switzerland, uh, I, was, I was speaking with a lot of people and, and they talk about water and like, uh, yeah, you, should, you shouldn't drink water from another, another place because you will get like a stomachache, right? I mean, at first, it, it doesn't matter if the it doesn't matter if the water is, is clean. But even if it's clean, you're going to have a, a, a stomachache because of the bacteria in those waters. But the air, like the air, is like like you said, like we can go to any place in the world and, and breathe the same air. It doesn't matter your beliefs or your ethnicity or anything. It's just you. We breathe all the same air. Absolutely. Yeah, um, so for those, for those people listening, Esteban and I know each other through an organization called Global Shapers, which is a um, young leadership initiative f 
from the World Economic Forum in Switzerland. And um, we just a couple of weeks ago were um, at a summit with about 350 of us from 160 different countries. And well, it impacted my life a lot because I, ha I got to see how no matter where people are from, no matter which culture, which country, there are a lot of people out there on big missions. Um, Esteban, anything you want to share from that community that we're a part of? It's a community with uh, exceptional people in their fields. The, uh, a great thing about the meeting, like you, you, you gather 350 leaders of the world. Like, it's, it's great that you know cities that you never heard the name of, of them, but they're working in the same things you're working. So, I mean, uh, for, for political and religious stuff, we are very not linked to the, to the Middle East, but there's people in the Middle East doing the same work we're doing here. And they, they, they face the same problems, even if the, with, uh, with uh, Eastern Europe, they are poor and, and we share similarities about the, the economical and political situations in our countries. I mean, it's, it's not Canada. Canada for you guys is great, but <laughs> but but yeah. But for example, we have we have the environment problem, also also there in in Canada, for for example. Yeah, it, it's great to see. Like, it doesn't matter like uh, your your background or your place on Earth. We 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 are working to make this world a better place, and we are doing similar work and and just like uh, can can connect and and help and help all the all, all the all the other young people with the with their projects you will be great like some from someday will be a great mass like doing the doing the work hmm. to make the world a better place so would you say that the way we just shared esteban that we are all breathing the same air right that no yeah. matter where in the world you go there are people working on shared um projects or shared problems like garbage for example we just talked about that that's that's a reality for every human and it has nothing to do with your religion or your country like what other what other topics are out there that you realized um, there are global shapers around the world being engaged around okay uh, another of the issues i saw there is that people is like uh, need to empower their, their like the new era of of young people digital native youngster.coms so yeah i think that they're trying to empower them and what else perhaps uh, help, helping women is one of one of the subjects i, I, I saw the most there yeah in, in in also i mean for for some of the countries in the middle east it's harder for women but for, for us as well we live in a very macho countries and situations yeah, and we just need to, to demolish that and have the, the same opportunities for everyone. I would even say in countries like Germany where I grew up or Canada where I live now, it's it's certainly so far from equal and um, the, the movements are happening, the the um, the well equality movement for all genders and all um, walks of life is certainly a reality, but I mean, equal wages, for example, isn't the reality fully yet, right? So. Yeah. You're, you're right. I mean, the Middle East or South America might might be in a complete different place, but I, I feel like it's a shared human problem. Yeah, but for sure, for sure, it's just, it's like uh, yeah, you, you see projects in the with the shapers in the U.S. doing the same thing about empowering women and help them to code 
yeah, in Shapeshift you can see many, many coding, many, many coding uh, environment, like an ecosystem of coding helping women to, to like, yeah, to break those par paradigms. Breaking paradigms, eh? So it's interesting for people that are listening that that are not aware of the global shapers. Um, these problems like um, garbage or women's rights, they they might sound trivial. But I don't think they actually are. I think that's the reality of the, the world we live in. And um, I think it's very important that we have policymakers and um, industry leaders to, to really sit down and, and realize, so how do we open the gates and the doors for a new paradigm? Yeah. Yeah, so I think with, the, with, with this neighborhood, the global shapers, I mean, there are going to be a lot of politicians there that are going to help in the future with, with that matters. Nice. Well, let's talk a little bit more about you. Um, I'd love to understand just the, the way your mind works, Esteban, and, and what, what you're excited about. Um, maybe tell us a little bit more about Colombia, because I know that most of our listeners, um, they might have been there on, on a vacation or on a, a, a travel, but um, not all of them are from Colombia. So how did you grow up and how did growing up influence you? Okay. Um, okay, I'm just going to leave, uh, to to give you um, an, an explanation of how Colombia is. We have a country that is divided in in five uh, in five regions. One is the Caribbean, and the other one is the Pacific one. Uh, there's the mountain zone that is the Andes. You got the Amazonian that is jungle, and you got Orinoquia that is like a it's like desert. So yeah, so for example, uh, the only thing that unites us as a country is like the the jersey from the Colombian football team, <laughs> because we we are not like uh, a <laughs> yes, yeah. So we we are very different from from each other. I mean, we even say that we speak different languages, even if it's Spanish. From people from the Caribbean, it's hard to communicate sometimes. If we don't speak slowly or with the proper Spanish words, so yeah. So uh, I, I grew up in a, in the Andes region, in the mountains, Medellin. We live in a valley. Uh, in the 90s, at the start of the 90s, when I when I was growing up, there was Pablo Escobar and all the violence era of Medellin. So that's certainly something the whole world um, thinks of when they think Medellin and Colombia, right? Um, Maybe, maybe share with our listeners how, because it's not the 90s anymore, it's 2017, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so yeah. how did Colombia and Medellin kind of make its way back into um, a, a world that is working? Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we are very, we are a very working society. All, all, we know, all we know to do is work. Even if you come to Medellin, you see people working 6, 6 a.m. In the, in, the, in the morning, and starting their and finishing their days at 9, 10, 10 p.m. Yeah, so we are a, a pretty like a work-oriented uh, situation here. Uh, Medellin is one of the of the cities of the world, I think, that has like the, the, the one of the biggest entrepreneurships per people. Mm -hmm. Ratio. Right. They say, for for example, I'm going to give an example. For example, in 2008, when the bubbles exploded in the U.S., uh, the whole world, the whole world, 
started a crisis, economical crisis. And people here were saying like, okay, the crisis is coming and we're going to save money and something like that. And, and that's just BS because we have all my life, we have lived in a crisis. There's no working for people. There's no work for young people, but we got, we have to live. So people is creating their very own, uh, I don't know, in the endeavors and entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial uh, adventures. So yeah, I think um, it, it helped me. It helped me. It helped me a lot because my father is entrepreneurship, entrepreneur himself, and my mother helped help him all all his life. So uh, my, my first, uh, my, like my first adventure in the entrepreneurial world was uh, I was nine, eight, nine years old, and I don't eat too much candy. So in Halloween. I, I got like a lot of candies and then I sold I sold them and <laughs> bought more candy and 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 yeah I, I was 90 years old it's like a, a kid doesn't a kid doesn't have to think like that but that that's how perhaps that how, how that's how they they raised me and you see like my friends are also like we live in a in a very like entrepreneurial uh ecosystem because of that i think that they're always in crisis and the city like had this very 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 big crisis with palos Escobar, and then we raced and then bad political but the politics came and then we race again and then we're now we're having now a very a very corrupt situation here but we're going to race so yeah so i i, I um that that's that's pretty you cannot see that like in another country, another cities in Colombia. So that that's pretty special about managing right now. So we have, and that's one of the things that is being known right now. Like the thing about managing is like we have a lot of uh, a lot of the ecosystem running, and yeah, we're we're growing in in the startup world, I guess. Wow. So. You grew up with a very uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem around you, and you'd say over the last ten years that that turned into like almost like a startup environment. Yeah, it's it's growing a lot. We we have many we have politics now helping that, and and there there is a center here that that helps the innovation, and people can go there and just just like educate, and they they, they will help them to to reach their goals as, as a startup yeah also them yeah we, we have a, also a big big ratio of the startup dying in the first year but people don't give up people just start a new one and and you can see that a lot even there are people that have the very own entrepreneurships but they don't know they're entrepreneurs they are just people that need to eat every day and they're doing a great work wow yeah, that, that there's a lot of poverty here, so people don't realize that they're being an entrepreneur. Just they just work every day and make a living. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. So how um, how open is Medellin or Colombia as a country to um, to expats and people from around the world uh, working and contributing in the startup scene? Actually, right now it's, it's growing up a lot. Uh, for us, it's I mean, Medellin is, is, is not a, it's not a city where you find a lot of people speaking English. Uh, I mean, if they are at the university, you, you can find uh, young people speaking English. But I mean, like uh, 50 or so 60 people, they, 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 
they, they can they, they cannot uh, speak English. So because we we never had the the, the need to speak it because right. we were always so local. So yeah, so people over there, six, they're they're fifty, sixty years old. They it's hard to find them to speak English. So now it's like uh, we have a uh, we have many hotels, many hostels, many co-living, co-working places, and they are just like bombed with uh, with uh, expats and foreigners. So now we have a a, a pretty much uh, growing market, and and that's like. <laughs> That, that, that was never our situation. I mean, if you go to Bogota or to Cartagena here in Colombia, you find a lot a lot of tourists and a lot of foreigners in their cities. But for Medellin, that's in the past four years, it's like a growing market. We never figured out that that could work, but um, it is not working. I mean, it's really, it's, it's really cheap. Uh, like the living in Medellin is, is cheap. So people is coming here and yeah, we got a great weather all year long. It's the same weather. It's called the city of the eternal spring, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. I've I've been there for a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago, and I must say it's one of the most beautiful places. Um, maybe to share this honestly with our listeners, I um, I traveled all through South America on that trip and um, was having a really good and peaceful time. And I arrived in Colombia, and I remember. I remember my stomach was telling me like, okay, this is this is Colombia, this is Medellin. So possibly I was a little afraid. And then the first 20 minutes in the taxi, we were driving from the airport into the city. And as you said, it's it's 5,000 feet high. Um, it's it's a beautiful valley, uh, 20 degrees almost every day. Uh, sunshine, a tiny bit of rain, so it's very lush. And I opened the window of the taxi, and it smelled so beautiful and fresh and I was reminded growing up in Europe I was reminded of Italy and that was the moment my entire body relaxed and I arrived in Medellin and I realized there's nothing to fear yeah I mean uh, we, we have like a big city situation so if you go with your watch or with a golden chain something like that you could get robbed okay don't come with all your accessories on and then you're good to go to Medellin well, in, in any any big city in the world where there's more than three million people, we still have to deal with with crime on that level. I guess it's it's somewhat yeah. of common sense, and um, well, also in the future maybe we we can find a way to solve that. But yeah, I, I hear you. That's that's the truth in in cities like Berlin or cities like London or or, or New York as well. So it's it's yeah. actually not a Colombian problem. I think it's again what we shared that earlier. Uh, it's a human problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 like a, it's like a big city problem. It's like uh, it's common to, to happen in those cities, right? Um, I, I love hearing about Colombia, and um, I, I want to hear and understand more about how that kind of shaped you as a person, because I know you've also lived in Europe and um, spent time in, in uh, the English-speaking world. So maybe tell us a little bit about your global mindset. Like what, Esteban, like what made you uh, want to explore the world? Okay, so I, I think that's my parents' fault. <laughs> my parents want us to give, to give us something we can keep all our lives. So we started to, to travel when I was, uh, I was eight years old, my sister was six years old, and we just started to know the world. And they, they took us, like, our, our first trip uh, outside was uh, to Jamaica. So that was like, a, okay, I was eight years old and that just opened my mind 
like uh, if, you, if you tell a kid like in another country they speak another language they don't know what that is they, 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 they just can't figure it out because it's so hard we're just learning our own language at eight but when you face like you go to another country and you can communicate and and you just point at food and say what you want and but you, you don't even understand what you are eating because you can't read in your language so yeah i, I think that uh, that was like uh my breaking point i was eight years old and started to travel travel in the world it was like uh i have so many great memories about jamaica at that time yeah yeah so it helped me a lot during like uh starting my life as, as a citizen of the world and, and just want to know all, all all cultures and a lot of stuff right because you see like jamaica was colonized by the english but they are so different from the english they only like they only, they only speak like the same language but they, they have like different words and and every single place is so fascinating beautiful so at the age of eight your curiosity got awakened to like realize there's a whole world out there that you need to, to know yeah i mean and, and also like uh okay i i spent like my, my vacation at sea but seeing that there was sea in, in another place i mean it's like it's like you, you open your eyes for the second time like but the, the first time you when you were a baby you don't know you're opening your eyes so it's like an, an eye opener like you are conscious about Wow, yes, absolutely. So Jamaica was your first stop, and then um, where else in the world did you spend, like, and let me ask specifically, like, very immersive time um, that, that didn't just feel like a travel or um, a journey? Okay, no, yeah, so, so all, all those were, like, travels when you came in, like, what, one or two weeks? Uh, we went to many places, like, in the Caribbean, in the U.S., South America, in Brazil, and Argentina. Hmm. Then, uh... Okay, um, my parents like really uh, made me learn English <laughs> since I was, was a child. And it, it was hard because I, I was in English classes, but my friends were playing football. So it, <laughs> it, it was hard for me, but now I, I'm, so thankful, I, I'm so thankful to them because of it. Because some of my friends don't, don't, can't speak, can, can speak English, but I can. So another thing with that, like with uh, with opening to the world, like Medellin opening to the world, is like uh, many of the people of, at the universities go to England or go to the US or to Australia to learn English. But it wasn't my case. I already spoke English, so so I went to live in Germany in Frankfurt because. <laughs> yeah, special place for me. Uh, for all for all that are listening and uh, don't know yet, uh, that's that's where my parents live, uh, very close to Frankfurt. So I, uh, that's a, a great coincidence. Tell us more about it. So yeah, so I, I love everything in Frankfurt. I was I was there like for a year to learn German and to get immersed in the culture. I was with um, a guest family. It was it was so great. It took care of me. How old were you when you were there? I was 22, 22 years old. So yeah, so in like the, in the flower of the of the young mind. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was awesome, like a great experience, like um, like knowing that you have to learn the language to communicate with people. Otherwise, people in the streets won't talk to you. Like uh, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, to make relationships with uh, with German people from scratch. But yeah, it, it was it, it was a great feeling there. Uh, I learned German and then just like starting talking to people in the bus or in the in the bus stop. <laughs> it was it was great seeing that only the language was was the was the issue, not not to talk them, because. Yeah, the world knows that German are so like so strict, so quiet, so serious. That, but if if you can communicate with you guys, uh, it's, it's it's hard to talk. It's, it's it's easy. It's easy. It's really easy to work to to talk with a person in the streets. Just saying like, oh my god, it's so cold. People is like, yeah, this year is cold. But otherwise, people won't, won't talk to you if you don't talk to them, right? Well, that's that's the truth. No matter where where I've gone in the world is. Um, there are very friendly cultures. Canada, certainly one of them. Uh, Colombia, Brazil, all these are very friendly places. But if you don't start, people won't won't start for you, right? So um, there is something very great to learn about courage and and maybe the first mover advantage. Um, it's it's powerful what you're sharing, Esteban, because um, I I believe this is how we truly make an impact in the world. Is when we we go to experience something new, we learn something about that culture, and then because we learn the language, then we're able to connect even one level deeper. Yeah. So yeah, so my, 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 journey, my, my year in Germany was so great. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful with my parents that gave me that opportunity to go there and like have that immersive experience. And also with the, with the family there, it was like the greatest. Uh, Dana, I, I I came back to Medellin. I went to live in Bogota. That is really really different from Medellin. People is people is more serious and close to other people, and especially people from Medellin. But yeah, it was a great situation. Then I lived uh, in Buenos Aires for three months. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, no, I I I I, I was uh, just traveling. Uh, my best friend lived in Buenos Aires, so I just went there to be there like for three three months, and it was awesome. Like eating a lot of meat in Buenos Aires, and <laughs> I remember those days. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and eating pasta and eating pizza. Yeah, it was great. There's something something very special about um, also French and Italian culture in Europe, but then South American culture and. Uh, Argentina being one of those places uh, where food is being celebrated um, and and you you make fresh pasta for a living I I, uh, I think there's a big passion about food there um, t tell me about it <laughs> okay yeah so yeah to, to me it's like uh, like I love languages and I love food and I love traditions because those are like the three most important components in in the uh, in, in the cultural fields you know better other cultures is is is, is, a, is a great way using food and in their language to uh, as we talked before to to talk to them and just to to get close to people you want you, you want to know right mm -hmm. so food yeah food is like a big part big portion of my life i've been cooking since i was seven years old and traveling a lot in the world like taught me how important it is to just just to to acknowledge that there's so many good food like uh, the best food in the world is is hard to to answer when when you know a lot of food if you only know your local food 
of course that will be like your your the best food in the world but the, the more you know the more you you know you don't know <laughs> the more you know the more you don't you know you don't know <laughs> i love it yes <laughs> I, so. I love sandwiches because all culture in the world uh, eats sandwich so every single person in the world or every country has their very own a version of a different sandwich so i know uh, that's that's a great a great way to to know cultures like why are they putting in two slices of bread <laughs> i love that you're saying that it's it's you know it's it's so simple and and that's the richness in it yeah it's, it's, it's a powerful message actually and it's very powerful if you look at the global picture, right? Because we are always um, obsessed with rules and countries and nations and politics and who is the next president and what are the taxes like. And for me personally, um, these are the conversations that are a little harder to excite me because what's truly exciting is the simple things. Yeah. Is, is who are you? Oh, you're from this culture. What is your food? What is your song? What is your dance? Um, I think there's a huge, and, and this is something, Esteban, as we're global shapers, is something that's very dear to my heart. There's a huge responsibility for us in this modern exponential time um, where possibly nation states are becoming obsolete because they're, they're, they're were made up in, an, in a very different uh, age, right? And I think there's a huge responsibility for us to, to rethink what cultural identity means and how rich all of our cultural identities are. Yes. So maybe, yeah, what you put between two slices of bread <laughs> tells much more about you than who your president is. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's so simple and so, and so, taste, so tasteful, like. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love that. Let's change it up. I have another question for you. Um, so go, go into your dreamer mindset, okay? Okay. If you had $1 billion tomorrow, one billion dollars would you invest into space exploration or to clean up planet earth okay definitely i will clean planet earth even if that's uh not not too much money to to clean up the world but yeah definitely i, I will clean up this world so if you had a billion dollars there's a lot of ideas um what, what comes to mind spend it a lot in, in trying to to make a substitution for plastic <laughs> i guess yeah actually there's a lot of a, a lot of studies here in colombia that they're using like plantain leaves to make uh dishes disposable dishes and disposable cups so yeah i think that i i hate disposable things like uh you, you don't you, you you can go with your with your fork every day and just like you got your own fork and you got your own knife and just go through the world and use disposable disposable things. So yeah, I think I, I will use it to, to find replacement to, to what is contaminating really the world. And just staying like a plastic will, will stay in the, in the ground for like a thousand years, I guess. If not longer, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, no, no one has, has ever lived that, that, that long to to actually saw it, saw it uh, being absorbed by the earth, right? Yeah, that's that's a very very true point. We're 
creating substances that are around much longer than us. Um, interesting. Yeah, that would be a billion dollar well spent. Um, I like that. I like to hear that. Um, let me ask you another question. So this is the question that kind of inspired me to create the podcast, and that's why I'm, I'm choosing to do a, a segment on, on a couple of global shapers as well, because what I really want to hear is the vision we have for planet Earth. You know, um, I often think politics are very, uh, they're very short cycles. Uh, it's all about power and being reelected and uh, making promises that are hard to keep and systems that are so archaic um, that it's even for the most brilliant mind and the most dedicated human. It, I think it's hard to actually make change happen. So what I'm interested in is the, the far out perspective. So if we as humanity, Esteban, if we had a 200-year vision for planet Earth, um, what would yours look like? What would your 200-year vision for planet Earth look like? Okay, in 200 years, I hope the, the planet uh, has solved many issues. Uh, I mean, political issues. I think, like, uh, in every single country, you got like uh, some of the politicians being just running from going to politi political parties or just into politics because their parents were politicians. It's a bad example because people love Justin Trudeau <laughs> because he's the son of another prime minister. Yeah, but uh, but we got, we got the situations in, in South America, in Africa, like uh, in Asia. Where, where the sons of their politicians just go as politicians because of their parents were there. So I hope that ends, that people open their eyes and don't support the same hundred families that rules every, every single country in the world. So yeah, I think that's one of the one of the my mains, what main issues with uh, with politics, because yeah, uh, we just we, we we need to change that. And also, I think uh, I would like to be seeing uh, change. It will be like in the universities, because universities were created like 300, 400 years ago. But now the world has overcome like four industrial revolutions. And the universities are not ready to, are not yet to, to supply that demand. So I, I hope the world. Uh, can can make like a, a a huge progress in education and and really focus on not people need to do but people need to follow their passions and i'm saying that because i'm following my passion and many of people i know is following their passions but i know a lot of people that is just working because they have to do it powerful yeah. i see there's a there's a huge huge responsibility to uh, change education and the future of education so let me let me ask a follow-up question on in this 200-year vision how do you see cultures coming together because you're you're living that journey right you are already immersing with many different cultures we just talked about food and what you put between two slices of bread is maybe more important than who your president is um how do you see cultures coming together i don't know it's 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 so hard right now because the, the, polit the polit politics are what, what, are what is changing the world right now. So what is what is different in cultures is perhaps like 
we, we're having today the referendum in, in Catalonia. So perhaps more countries are going to be independent in the future, and that will make, I don't know if closed borders or open borders, but I hope people will open more to, now they are now they were acknowledged that they are a country or a nation. Like, okay, you can come here and just enjoy what we are, but not, but not in the way it's happening right now, because in Catalonia also have a lot of problems with Russians and with uh, Pakistanis, I guess. And yeah, they want, they want they want to change that situation because they don't like tourist people. And sometimes that that is a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing. But I think uh, core core problems in the society need, needs to be worked before opening to to to, to the outside world. I don't know if I know if, you, if my idea is clear. <laughs> yeah, you you can share more on it. I think it's very powerful what you're saying. You know, I agree that it's it's possibly a reality that more small places want to be their own cultural identity, like let's say Catalonia and um, not Spain or Basque Country or um, in in the Pacific Northwest up here in Canada we have a similar phenomena. The the West Coast feels much more connected to other places on the West Coast, like uh, the Cascadian movement, then maybe uh, the West Coast feels connected to the East Coast. So I, I see that, that there are, maybe we're reforming cultural identities as we're not needing to fit into nation states anymore. Um, do, do you see open borders though? Do you see that this is a possibility to be lived in abundance? Yeah, I think that that, that would help a lot if people use their resources, their, like their, their very own resources, because finally the, the problem with the, with this independent situation is money, right? And if, if, if at last people can enjoy and do wonders with their very own money and don't give to another nation, perhaps that could be the way to, to be in, in an abundance and, and prosperity. Wow. really appreciate this this coming from a global perspective you know that's i feel how we met in the context of the global shapers where young leaders around the world share this vision for planet earth that we can live in peace we can live with access to water we can live with access to food share this planet abundantly so thank you esteban for um all these insights and now let's do something really fun and change the language because I know that um, your mother tongue is Spanish. Entonces, yo tengo algunas preguntas en castellano para ti y me gustaría saber tu respuesta y tu visión para los Global Shapers de Medellín y de Colombia. Claro. <laughs> La visión. Mira, o sea, no, no sé, no, no, verdad, no sé cómo ha funcionado en otros países, pero pero ahora estamos teniendo como un momento más de, de unirnos, como de trabajar más cohesionados. Entonces, te cuento que en, en, en marzo, abril, va, va a haber un encuentro colombiano. Entonces, la idea es definir como un mega, una, una mega, sí, bueno, mega significa meta grande y ambiciosa. Eso significa la mega. Entonces, queremos hacer un proyecto grande y ambicioso para, para impactar todo el país para impactar todo el país. Pues sí, o sea, que, que, que al menos en, sea, sea, sea un impacto en, la, en las grandes ciudades donde hay shapers y al menos se pueda como eh, spread the word. Claro, claro. Sí, como... Qué bueno, qué bueno. Entonces, tú como, como ves, eh, 
los shapers de Colombia en relación con otros shapers en Latinoamérica, que yo sé que LATAM es un, una región muy grande en, en los shapers. Um, ¿Cómo te parece? Sé que, por ejemplo, en, en Brasil son muy unidos porque ellos hicieron, por ejemplo, este año hicieron una convocatoria nacional para, para todos los shapers y se unieron todos los hubs a hacer eso. Y hay otros países que solamente hay un hub, entonces es, es muy, es, varía bastante, entonces no, no habría como un punto de comparación con, me, con Colombia. ¿Cuántos hubs tienen? En Colombia seis. Seis. Sí, pero siguen siendo, pues siguen siendo como en la parte andina y, y pues hay dos en el Caribe, pero, pero todavía falta como llegar a otras regiones del país, que es muy grande. Sí, sí igual, o sea, lo que te cuento es que, o sea, como, como Colombia al menos en, en, esta, en esta corte de curadores, pues estamos trabajando mucho unidos para, 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 para trabajar pues muy, muy unidos con todos los shapers y conocernos y, y toda la cosa. Entiendo. Bueno, entonces, cuando salimos el, el tema de, de los shapers, pero nos quedamos eh, sobre, sobre Colombia. Eres un, un global citizen, un global mundial. ¿Cómo ves el Colombia en el, en el mundo? ¿Cómo piensas que la gente ve en Colombia en el mundo? Pues, mira, lo, lo, que, lo que pasa es que Colombia, después de, de, de pasar como la mala fama de la época de la violencia, se ha abierto mucho más al mundo y la gente ya sabe que tenemos diferentes climas, diferentes, pues que no todo es Bogotá, que hay muchas ciudades muy bonitas, ciudades grandes. Entonces digamos que el país se ha abierto mucho a, que, a, re, a recibir muchos más extranjeros. Entonces esa, esa palabra la van llevando a otros lugares del mundo y ayuda a que, a que más gente venga. Es un lugar barato para vivir, el clima es bueno y hay, y hay de todo tipo de clima. Y nada, pues la, la, la gente, la gente de verdad, la gente de Colombia es, lo, es la que hace que la gente, hacer fácil para que los extranjeros vivan en este país, porque la gente es muy, muy buena. Sí, me acuerdo cuando yo me, me fui a Colombia hace cinco o seis años, que era un país tan, tan rico de cultura, pero también la gente eran, um, yeah, one of the nicest people I've ever met, uh, I have to say, actually. ¿Y cómo lo ves eh, el tu vecino o el vecino de Colombia, que Venezuela está dentro de una época muy, muy dura, muy, muy difícil, ¿no? ¿Cómo, ¿Cómo se podría ayudar entre Venezuela y Colombia? ¿O, o se, se puede? No, no sé. Cuento que lo, lo, lo que ha pasado, pues, como oficialmente desde el gobierno, es que este año se han aceptado más de 350 mil venezolanos en el país, que se les dio una residencia. Entonces, digamos que se les ha, se les ha facilitado un poco y, y pues... Hubo un momento que la frontera estuvo cerrada por parte de Venezuela, entonces la gente se le hacía más difícil salir del país. Claro, eso, eso te cuento pues como desde lo que no, la información que nosotros tenemos. Y, y bueno, aquí en Medellín se ve mucha gente, o sea, como que cada restaurante ya tiene un venezolano trabajando ahí de mesero al menos, o sea, se ve, hay muchos, muchos venezolanos trabajando acá. Eh, es algo muy complejo porque... Porque en los 80s y en los 70s, cuando Colombia estaba mal, la gente se iba para Venezuela, que era el, el paraíso, y ahora, está, ahora esa gente se está volviendo. Entonces también hay gente que era colombiana y se está volviendo, entonces tiene papeles, tiene su nacionalidad colombiana, entonces también se les, se les es fácil trabajar acá. Porque con, ya, ya con, pues, teniendo, teniendo nacionalidad colombiana, pues pueden trabajar acá. Entonces digamos que ahora es, hay que estar como... 
hay que ayudar porque ya, ya ellos ayudaron a, a Colombia en un momento y, y hay que ayudarlos para, para, para que se vuelvan a levantar, ¿cierto? Claro. Entonces, es un tema muy complejo, pero tenemos muchos temas como este en el mundo, ¿no? Cuando te, te, te vas a Europa y, y la inmigración de, de África del Norte y, bueno, en Italia, yo sé, en, también en Alemania tienen muchas, um, muchos inmigrantes y muchos problemas con, que vienen con ese tema y la, la ayuda es lo primero que queremos hacer, pero no es siempre fácil. Sí, claro. Sí. Por ejemplo, acá, o sea, el tra los, trabajos los trabajos informales o sea, han sido los que se, se ven más afectados porque llega gente de Venezuela a cobrar más barato. Entonces, eso es, eso es como la, la parte, pues, ¿cierto? Que hay como una... Empieza a crecer como una xenofobia en la, en la población de, de bajos recursos. Porque, porque claro, porque llega, llegan otras personas de afuera a quitarles sus trabajos. Entonces, eso es más, esa parte es más complicada, pero ya, ojalá, ojalá se encuentre una solución pronto, porque si, si hay mucha gente acá, y en Medellín, si en Medellín hay mucha, pero en todo, todo Colombia hay muchísimas más venezolanos. Claro. Bueno, well, ojalá. Eh, um, tengo una, una última pregunta para ti, que, que es una pre pregunta más personal. Eh, y yo quiero saber de ti, Esteban, ¿qué significa la felicidad para ti? La felicidad, la verdad, pienso, pienso mucho en ese tema de la felicidad, o sea, que, que sí, he, he llegado como a, a una conclusión y es que es, es un estado cuando me siento tranquilo, que no estoy preocupado por nada, entonces puedo gozar plenamente de, de mi familia, de mi novia, de mis amigos, o sea, es como si es un momento cuando no tengo, cuando estoy completamente tranquilo, es cuando estoy feliz tranquilo y como presente, ¿no? Porque si te preocupes, te, te estás ocupando con algo del futuro, ¿no? Exacto, sí, o sea, no, 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 es un momento en el que no, si no, no está pensando en, en nada externo al momento en el que se, se vive en ese momento. Yes, 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 I think that's, that's very true for, for all of us, is the feeling of presence is, is very delicious and very much a state to, to be with. Well, As we're concluding this interview, Esteban, what's maybe one last thing you want to share with our audience? Or maybe even with like young leaders and young people in general? No, yeah, it's not like, don't be afraid. Like, do what you want and everything will come, will come like a money or, uh, or if, if you want to be recognized by the society, I don't know. Like, uh, whatever means you are pursuing, like, do what you want from heart. Yeah. So, yeah, so... That's like a, my advice to people, like, go with your heart and uh, just just be happy. Wow. Cool. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you for taking the time. No, thank you for your time, man. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast talking about culture, about social impact, and how everyone's uniqueness truly makes this planet worth living on. Um, it was a pleasure to have Esteban on the show. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe on iTunes so you never get to miss any episode. Also, feel free to follow us on Facebook. There's a Facebook group called Green Planet, Blue Planet Podcast. Stay tuned and until soon.